in every Christian's life, we struggle between walking by faith and walking by sight. And when you and I struggle with faith and sight, we're looking this way and that way. We're looking at this problem and that problem and what's coming down the pike. And we fail to look up and we fail to factor in God. We have a choice. Are we going to walk by faith or are we going to walk by sight? When it concerns dealing with hard situations and difficulties, it's a real temptation to let our human eyes be the source that we use as the guidepost of our decision-making. If we see the impossibility at the moment, then there's no way out, right? Absolutely wrong. This is From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, and in today's inspiring message, he walks us through one of the most devastating times in the history of Israel, where all seemed lost, but God showed them that what is impossible with man is completely possible with God. And that truth is oh so pertinent to our situation in the world today. The message is entitled, Faith Versus Sight. And it's from Pastor Jeff's five lesson series, The Walk. Now, this is the third message we've aired in this series. If you have missed any or any as we go forward, you can go online to fromhisheart.org after they've aired and download a free MP3 of the broadcast, as well as the sermon notes from Pastor Jeff. Just click the Listen tab on the homepage. Now, though, open your Bible to the sixth chapter of Second Kings. Here's Pastor Jeff to explain which side will always win the battle when faith versus sight. Now, in the Christian life, it begins with faith. The Bible clearly says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not by works, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. It's God's grace and our faith in God's grace that produces eternal life that causes us to be born again. The Christian life begins with faith. The Christian life continues with faith. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, the apostle Paul said to the Christians in Colossae, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You receive him by faith, you walk in him by faith. It's faith all the way. That's the way God set up the Christian life. Now, we walk by faith, not by sight. In every Christian's life, we struggle between walking by faith and walking by sight. There is always a struggle there. Nobody gets to the place where you don't struggle with sight because sight is very readily there. I mean, we all see uh, the things around us. We all see the, the obstacles and the difficulties and the problems. It's very easy to see those things. You know, when Moses killed the Egyptian, the Bible says before he killed him, he looked this way and he looked that way. And when he didn't see anyone, he killed him and buried him in the sand. He failed to look up. He didn't look that way. And, and when you and I struggle... With faith and sight, we're looking this way and that way. We're looking at this problem and that problem and what's coming down the pike, and we fail to look up and we fail to factor in God. Now, that's a challenge for me. That's a challenge for you. That's a challenge for everyone. It was a challenge for the Apostle Paul. We walk by faith and not by sight. And every day, 
We have a choice. Are we going to walk by faith or are we going to walk by sight? Now, if you want to please God, the Bible makes it clear. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. If you want to please God, the only way to please him is to walk by faith, not by sight. And if you want to experience God doing great things in and through your life, you have to walk by faith. So today, what we want to do in our series, we want to place faith and sight and pit them against one another and show you the difference between the walk of faith and the walk of sight. And to do that, we want to look at a really interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 6. I love the stories in the Old Testament because they illustrate so beautifully truths throughout the Bible, but truths especially in the New Testament. And so many people don't spend much time in the Old Testament, so when you tell them stories out of the Old Testament, they're like, man, that's a cool story. Where'd you get that one? It's right here in God's Word. So today we're going to learn a really cool story that happened around the middle part of the 800s B.C., Elisha was the prophet. He was the man of God in Israel. Ahab's son, Jehoram, is king. He also went by another name, Joram. So anytime you run across his name, Jehoram or Joram, it's talking about the same person. And they had an enemy coming against them, and the enemy was, were the Arameans from Syria, and their king was Ben-Hadad II. Anytime you run across somebody that's been something, something, uh, that just means son of. So Ben-Hadad was the son of Hadad, and there was a Ben-Hadad the first. He was senior, and then you have the son, Ben-Hadad Jr., but they called him Ben-Hadad the second, and those are the players as we read in 2 Kings chapter 6. Here's what the scripture says, starting in verse 24. Now it came about after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. Samaria is the capital city of Israel, of the northern kingdom of Israel. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. That's two pounds of silver. And a fourth of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. A cup of dove's dung was two ounces of silver. I wouldn't think that would be a big seller, but that was what was going on in Israel. It says in verse 26, and as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, help my Lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord, if Yahweh does not help you, from where shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? There wasn't any food around. Verse 28, and the king said to her, what is the matter with you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. And it came about when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall and the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth, burlap, beneath on his body. Then he said, may God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Now Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. 
And the king sent a man from his presence. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, do you see how this son of a murderer, Joram was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel murdered Naboth for his vineyard. Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door and shut it against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? The king is coming right behind him. Verse 33, and while he was still speaking with them, behold, the messenger came down to him and he said, behold, this evil is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Faith versus sight. Such a beautiful picture in this passage of faith versus sight. Now, I want you to notice with me four key differences between walking by faith and walking by sight. Difference number one, faith sees opportunity. Sight sees doom. Faith sees opportunity and sight sees doom. Here's the story. You have the king of the Arameans, Ben-Hadad II, and he leads his troops to surround the city of Samaria, to besiege the city. Now, when you besiege the city, that means that you cordoned off the city with your armies so that no one could get in the city and no one could come out of the city without going through your armies and without being killed. And when you besiege a city, you basically starve that city out. Because if nobody can go in and nobody can come out, uh, eventually the food supply runs out. And when the food supply runs out, the people get desperate. And, and that was what was happening in Israel. You know, it's supply and demand. When there is no supply, the demand goes way up and the prices go way up. And people were giving five pounds of silver for a donkey's head. If you've ever really looked at a donkey's head, there's not a lot of meat on the bone there. There's not a lot to eat there. But you'd rather have a donkey's head than a cup of dove's dung. And they were given two pounds of silver for that. It's like, good night. This is horrible, horrible what's going on in Israel. And to make matters worse, then you had this woman who actually boiled her baby and she and the other woman ate the baby. And she's thinking, well, we'll boil my son today, but tomorrow we'll have your son. And the woman hid her son. And so this woman who lost her son, who ate her son and lost her son because he was now eaten, uh, she's upset. I mean, times are bad in Israel. Faith sees that times are bad and sight sees that times are bad. What does that say to us today? Hey, circumstances can sometimes get really difficult in life. No doubt they were experiencing really difficult circumstances in life. Really difficult circumstances. I mean, no matter what you're facing today, I think we'd all have to admit it's not as bad as somebody boiling her son and eating him. I mean, that's just beyond comprehension uh, in terms of wickedness and depravity. How could you possibly do that? And you know what's interesting is God had told them hundreds of years before that through Moses in Leviticus chapter 26, in Deuteronomy chapter 28. He said, this is what's going to happen to you. If you disobey me, if you go serve other gods, then I'm going to send an army against you and they're going to uh, surround you and they're going to starve you out and you people will even eat your own 
children. And that's exactly what they did. Well, the situation is bad. And, you know, it's bad when you're eating a donkey's head and you wash it down with a cup of dove's dung. But it's even worse when you hear that a woman boiled her son and ate him. And the king tears his clothes. It's horrible. It's horrible. And both faith and sight recognize, hey, circumstances are bad. But now for the, the people who walk by sight, the common response to bad circumstances is anger and to get angry at God. That's the common response. So here's the king, Jehoram or Joram, whatever you want to call him, the same guy. Here's the king and he hears the situation from the woman and he tears his clothes. Now, normally that was a sign of tremendous grief. In his case, it's a sign of grief mixed with lots of anger. They said that he was wearing sackcloth. They could see that he was wearing sackcloth under his clothes. Normally, you put on sackcloth when you were humbling yourself before God, when you, it's a sign of repentance. But this guy wasn't repentant at all. Remember, his mom and dad were Ahab and Jezebel, and they were the most wicked uh, king and queen ever that Israel had ever experienced. And that's the family he grew up in, and he's a pagan to the core. And so he's not uh, wearing sackcloth to show that his heart was broken before God. He's just putting on, he's doing whatever. It's like, this is really bad. Maybe I'll put on sackcloth. Maybe that'll do something. He's like a lucky rabbit's foot or something. So he tears his clothes and he says these words, may God, verse 31, do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. I'm gonna cut off his head. Now he's mad at God. He says to the woman, what am I supposed to do? God, Yahweh, the Lord, anytime you see Lord all in caps, it's, it's the name Yahweh, the God's covenant name, God's personal name, Y-H-W-H. He said, if, if the personal God Yahweh, your God Yahweh doesn't take care of us, if he's not filling up the wine press with grapes, if he doesn't have any grain in the, in the threshing floor, if there's nothing to eat, what are you looking at? What am I supposed to do? It's God's fault that we don't have uh, provision. It's God's fault that this army is besieging us. Blames God. So I'm mad at God because this is the situation I'm in. And instead of humbling myself before God, I get angry at God. And how do I get back at God? What do I do to get at God? Well, I'll, I'll kill God's man. I'll kill Elisha the prophet. Now, his dad, Ahab, did something similar when it came to Elisha's mentor, Elisha's mentor was Elijah with a J. Sometimes you get those confused because they sound so much alike. Elijah and Elisha. Well, Elijah was the prophet when Ahab was king. And uh, Ahab got so mad at Elijah. And when they finally met, he said, is it you, you troubler of Israel? That's what he called Elijah, God's man. And Elijah said, I'm not the trouble of Israel. You are. You and your wicked family. You are the ones who are troubling Israel. It's because of your sin that there is a famine in the land because they were experiencing famine during the days of Ahab too. So here is the son, Ahab's son, Jehoram. And he says to Elisha, you're the troubler of Israel. I'm going to cut off your head. But here's the thing about Elisha. God spoke to Elisha. God revealed things to Elisha. So it's hard to, to sneak up on the guy. 
Because every time people tried to sneak up on him, the Lord would say, hey, so-and-so's coming up. Uh, he's getting ready to sneak up on you, so be ready. So he knew, that, hey, the messenger's coming, the king's coming, and they're coming to take off your head. And it says this in the Good News Bible, verse 33, the king arrived and said, it's the Lord who has brought this trouble upon us. Why should I wait any longer for him to do something? He was mad at God. So that is the situation. The common response to difficulties from site dwellers is to look at all the situation. You get upset about the situation. You get mad at God. You lash out at somebody who represents God. And you don't do what you need to do, which is to humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. But see, what does a faith person do? What does someone who walks by faith do? He says this. The greater the difficulty, the greater the opportunity. The greater the difficulty, the greater the opportunity for God to do something big. Because I have a big problem. And so the bigger the problem, the bigger the miracle. That's what a person who walks by faith, who's constantly looking up and factoring God into every situation in life. Faith sees the opportunity. Sight sees the doom. Second difference. Faith believes the word of God and sight mocks the word of God. So here you have the king and he is there at Elisha's place. And chapter seven, verse one says this. Then Elisha said, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, thus says Yahweh, tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Tomorrow about this time, no more famine. No more famine. The prices are going down and you can get seven quarts of fine flour. That's what a measure was. Seven quarts of fine flour for a shekel for 0.4 ounces of silver and 14 quarts of barley for point four ounces of silver. Nobody's going to be eating dove's dung and cow's head anymore. And it's going to happen tomorrow at about this time. The waiting is getting ready to be over. Verse two, and the royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning answered the man of God and said, with a sneer, I might add, behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Then Elisha said, Behold, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Faith believes the word. Doubt or sight mocks the word. Elisha gave the word, and what did the royal officer do? He laughed. He mocked, he sneered, ha ha, that is impossible. How could that happen? Do you know, do you not see the situation? Elisha knew the situation. See, when you walk by faith, it doesn't mean you gouge out your eyes and you don't know what the circumstances are. You don't know what the difficulty is. You know what the difficulty is. Elijah knew the difficulty, but Elisha factored it in God and this king's royal officer, he didn't. And when he even thought, when he heard the word, he's like, uh, that no way. I mean, he was a big guy that said, no way, Jose, could that ever happen? That's what sight says. And you know what's interesting? Sight is right. Sight is right. 
It is impossible. It is impossible. The promises of God are impossible. If they weren't impossible, then what would you need God for? George Mueller, that great man of faith, he said this, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. And Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but with, not with God, for all things are possible with God. What are you facing today? Do you face something that's impossible? Did you get a report back from the doctor and they said, there's nothing we can do? Hey, with man, it's impossible, but not with God. Because with God, all things are possible. No matter what you're facing today, God is able. Now to him, the scripture says, who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory. God is able. And here's the beautiful thing about impossible. Impossible is I'm possible with God. Whatever you're facing that's an impossible, that is just I'm possible with God. Because just as Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Now, the royal officer is a key person in this story. He is really, he becomes the poster child of a person who walks by sight. He's the poster child of no way, Jose. He calls God out. He literally calls God a liar. When Elijah gives the word of the Lord, this is what's going to happen. He says, no way can God do that. God doesn't have the power to do that. If he made windows in heaven, that couldn't happen. And Elisha said, all right, out of your own mouth. You'll see it happen, but you're not going to experience any of it. You're not going to get to taste any of it because something's getting ready to happen to you. Keep that in mind. It's dangerous ground to walk by sight, dangerous ground to mock the word of God, to call God a liar, to look at God and say, God, you are powerless in this situation. God is omnipotent God. He can do anything. Behold, uh, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, is there anything too difficult for me? And the answer is no. God, you can do anything. Faith believes the word. Sight mocks the word of God. Would you like to learn how to walk by faith? Well, you can do that when you apply the truth that you hear in Pastor Jeff's five-message series, The Walk. It's available online when you click the Listen tab or go to our online resource center. You know, the truth is, anytime you walk, you don't do it all at once. It's always one step at a time. When the next step and the next step and the next step comes, you take it. Pastor Jeff Shreve is offering an exciting seven-message series called The Step that will help you walk through the first steps of the Christian life that you should take when you want to mature and feel the power of God move in your life. Maybe you need to learn those steps. The Next Step series is available on a USB flash drive, digital downloads, CDs, or DVDs. Your choice when you make your gift of support to From His Heart this month of any amount. To get yours, go online to fromhisheart.org or call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE. 
to make your gift and request the series, The Next Step. Well, thank you for joining us today on this broadcast, and we trust that you'll join us on Friday when Pastor Jeff Shreve will open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from God's heart. Here on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve. Speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.